This week on Sound Off, we're going to be talking about the new shoe by Animal Collective and also Weezer's Memory Tour. We're going to be reviewing the new albums by Ellie Goulding and of Montreal. Welcome to Sound Off, WKNC's daytime music podcast, where we discuss some of the hottest news topics. I always change up the intro and do some and review some of the biggest names in the independent music world. That part stays the same. I'm Michael Jones, also known as DJ Ones. And I'm Kirsten Southwell, otherwise known as DJ Vice. And uh, this week we have in store for you, of course, new albums from Of Montreal and the debut album of uh, from British singer... Ellie Goulding. Goulding. But before we get into all of that, let's talk some news. So the first item on the agenda this week. Yes, Weezer, 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 Weezer announces its Memories Tour. Like so, the corners of my mind. You told me I said, I said DJ Ones. What's so interesting about Weezer going on tour? And DJ Ones started to respond and I said, oh, save it for the show. So why don't you tell us? Okay, well. Originally, what I think is incredibly interesting about this is Weezer just put out a brand new record. Uh, it's inspired by one of the characters of Lost. It's named Hurley. It has the picture of the actor right on the front. But they're not touring in support of that record. Instead, they're going back and they're supporting. Uh, it was Pinkerton is one. And, and the Blue and, Album. And the Blue Album is the other. And so I found that a bit odd. You don't, I don't find it all that common where an, a band will record a record and then go out and support earlier, arguably more popular works of theirs. Well, it's no secret that, like, Weezer has hard, a hard fan base. I mean, they started with so many fans, and it seemed that with uh, the more albums they released, the more fans they lost and disappointed. Even the review on the one in the station is like, only play the suggestive tract. I mean, it is Weezer. So but I don't think the album's that bad. I think they've lost a bit of that hardcore fan base as they have moved out of the 90s into the Red album and uh, into this latest album especially. And so I find it a bit interesting that they are, I wouldn't say backtracking, but they're going back to that fan base of uh, hardcore fans that like that offbeat uh, punch that Weezer brings to the table with albums like Pinkerton. I think they're trying to bring them back. I mean, when you think about why people don't like Weezer now, I mean... I've heard a lot of things concerning like their songwriting as far as like the song We Are All on Drugs and I mean they I think I from an opinion I I've heard is partying. that people like feel like they're being mocked when they when they hear Weezer songs but I don't know it's it's interesting so I I'm wondering if yeah there is a reason going back to that original fan base where they've lost so many people along the way Well it seems as if they've fallen a bit off of the radar as of late uh this They've released two albums within the past year, and 
I, it just feels so gimmicky. I what was the other that. album? It was Ratitude came out last year. Ratitude? Ratitude. Yeah, was, exactly. That's the case. What was on it? A lot of songs that nobody listened to, apparently. Yeah, wait. That's not the... Because the last one I remember listening to was the, the Hollywood, the Beverly Hills song. You're way behind me. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I don't know. I didn't know there was... I worked at a radio out, station. They came out in 2004. Uh, the Red Album came out in the summer. Oh, no, of... no, no. I know that one. The Pork and Beans. That's yes, that one. That's the Red okay. Album. And then there was another one between this one and that one? Yes, Ratitude. Wow. Yep, they've they've been That moving. was a full album? That, that wasn't a, an EP? That was a full album. You could buy the special edition, which would come with a Snuggie that said Weezer on it. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry, I think that's hilarious. That came out before we started recording the show, but if we were recording the show when that had happened, we would have talked about that, definitely. But And I would have... You bet your ass I would be owning a Weezer Snuggie right now. But that's besides the point. Let's talk a bit more about this tour. Well, uh, okay, so uh, concerning the old old music, new show, new albums, I mean, maybe that is a point that there is a bunch of music that nobody's listened to. So they're thinking, I mean, draw them in with the old stuff. Maybe it's their chance to stay somewhat relevant in a music scene that is forgetting Weezer. Yeah. It seems to be leaving them behind uh, because – what, Weezer has always been this weird border band, in my opinion, at least. What do you mean by by border band? I mean they are are technically a mainstream band, but they always try to keep that dedicated indie fan base, and they've fallen off the radar as of late with that ind- independent fan base. Mm-hmm. So what has been going on with them is they're trying to rekindle some of the love that old Weezer fans had for them by going out and supporting. And it's a massive tour, and they've just added dates. Uh, a couple of days ago, yeah, I, I saw that they they're playing some universities. Um, one I've never heard of, <laughs> but I mean that probably is where some of their fan base is going to be. Definitely, and and even uh, people a bit older will flock to those shows because they're hearing Weezer is playing those, but playing Pinkerton and uh, the Blue Album, which a lot of people in college grew up on, that are uh, a tad bit older than us, but still. The idea is there that they seem to be trying to to reignite the interest in the band. And actually, over half of these shows have already happened. According to this, September 24th, September 25th, September 30th, October 1st, and then October 29th is the next show. But they've added a whole slew of shows since. Oh, really? Yes. So this is only... That's a little... What, what, the schedule that you're looking at isn't completely updated, but they have added several shows since. All right, let's see. Yeah, I'm just curious. I'm I'm wondering if they come here and what what venues they're going to be playing. Like if they're going to be playing larger venues anticipating a bigger crowd. I would definitely think so, especially in these areas that they're visiting. I mean, you're you're going to have those hardcore fans and you're also going to have those people that have kind of flocked off in the past and are now coming back to uh listen to old albums that they loved in the past. Yeah. Although an interesting thing is uh they're going to be playing these entire albums but not with the exact group that recorded them originally. I mean, they've had some personnel change over the years, but I don't think it's going to have too much of a consideration in the quality of the work overall. Well, and do you think it's funny that um, if you read the summary of the tours, they talk about how they're playing old albums, and then it, it follows up by saying, and they're playing some of their gr- their bigger hits, their greatest hits. And to me, when a band as young as Weezer is playing greatest hits, that kind of states like 
They've missed their prime. I don't know if I would even consider them young anymore. Uh, they've been releasing albums since the early 90s. So they, they've been touring for close to 20 years now. I mean, I guess. I, I just think it's kind of pathetic when, I don't know, you're still releasing new albums and you have greatest hits. And with that, let's um, <laughs> let's move on to our next new story now. I, I thought this would be of particular interest to Ms. Kirsten Southwell. Uh, Animal Collective, they have been or they have been hard at work in designing a shoe, actually. Yeah. I'm wondering, uh, the one thing I can't get from it is whether or not they just designed the artwork or if they actually designed the physical shoe. I think it's just the artwork. Yeah, I, I think if they were to design the actual shoe, it would look more like a placenta than anything else. <laughs> it would be really kind of out there. A placenta. So many kids would be wearing it. It would like all the indie kids would be uh, hipster Hitler would be wearing the Animal <laughs> Collective shoe. Oh, uh, be, but that was my first. I was kind of shocked. It, it didn't look like a placenta when it. Oh, when these the drawings. These drawings are very. They're they're interesting. I Organic. <laughs> I mean, it's. I I don't know. Uh, hmm. It's kind of interesting that you have an Animal Collective shoe, and and this artwork I don't think is anything similar to. How Animal Collective identifies himself as a band. Um, I mean, does this artwork look anything like anything on their albums or posters or anything new? Somewhat similar, but I don't see a band ever identifying themselves with artwork that's on a shoe. I this is I well, if if somebody can reference uh, another time in which a band has put out a shoe, uh, please email us. That's <laughs> soundoff at wknc.org. I would love to know just for. Just for curiosity's sake. The point the point I'm trying to make is that if Kanye West came out with a shoe, there'd be his little bubbly bear like all over that. And you would buy it because it's bears <laughs> all over it. <laughs> but I, I don't know if I would buy it because it's Kanye West's shoe. I mean, this is a different thing. You kind of really have to be on the inside for someone to be wearing these shoes and be like, oh, man, Animal Collective shoe. Or probably the person buying it will very much have that in mind. But I don't think, I mean, maybe there is an audience for this somewhere but it's it's interesting but i don't see it being extremely fashionable this is a whole new level of super niche for any band well yeah i mean as far as like coming out with the shoe i'm talking about the actual artwork so we're on different playing fields. you're looking at it at a design level yeah. i'm looking at it from a marketing okay level. so i mean but they don't even they hardly announce that it is it's it's been rather low-key uh a couple of the you know bigger music sites have been talking about this in moderate detail, uh, but it seems to have sparked some interest in people who are just wondering what's going on with Animal Collective. Be- because they are a fascinating band. Yeah. You know what's funny is uh, it comes, advanced sales come with a bonus cassette featuring previously unreleased music. I, I'm, could, did you just say cassette? I, that's the word they use. And they're talking about previously unreleased music. So I don't well, on know. a cassette, who owns a cassette player anymore? My car has a broken one. Well, as does mine, but that doesn't mean we're gonna. <laughs> well, we'll have to see. Why don't we leave this? Is I, I would kind of like to see if I see anyone walking around campus. If you do, please take a picture shoes. of it. And I'll uh, stop him. And oh, by the way, in case you're curious, the shoes are seventy five dollars, and they kind of look like Keds. Don't you think? No laces, but a little closer to like Toms, I guess. But, with some uh, weird artwork on it. Anyways, if you're if you're a super diehard Animal Collective fan and you're interested in what is going on with these shoes, you can find the shoes online. 
Uh, I can't remember what site they're it selling it. It was Keep. It, it was with the shoes Keep. So you can go to the Keep website, K-E-E-P. And uh, I think it is about time to start getting into our music reviews. Once again, you are listening to Sound Off WKNC's Daytime Music Podcast. Uh, let's start by reviewing the debut album from British singer Ellie Goulding. Now, this is kind of impromptu for us. You yelled out. I made a mention of Ellie Goulding last week, and you yelled, let's review that. And I said, well, okay, why not? So this is uh, her debut album, as I've mentioned about three times now. It is entitled Lights, and uh, it hasn't really made a splash just yet in the United States. Uh, I saw on iTunes they are releasing an EP for potential fans. It is called An Introduction to Ellie Goulding. <laughs> so she's starting that marketing push in the United States. It seems a bit later than other British acts like Florence and the Machine and LaRue, who for some reason has been picking up a ton of steam in the past months, even though her album has been out for about two years. Mm-hmm. So let's get to Ellie Goulding. Um, my first thoughts were part of it. Uh, there were certain songs that definitely had the catchy pop dynamic that is looked for in a good pop album. I couldn't help but think sometimes, I mean, there's a lot of, like a dissonance, or not dissonance, it's like a echoey kind of ambience sometimes to her songs. And it kind of kept reminding me, girls probably know what I'm talking about when I say it sounds like something I would hear in a hair salon, like over and over again. And it's definitely like, as you can listen to music, you're thinking like, I bet you somebody's making some pretty solid remixes out of these songs. And as DJ Ones was showing me before we went on, like, there are handfuls of remixes from her tracks. There are a huge amount of remixes for those tracks. And, and they sound great. Those sound really great. So what did you think about the album overall? Um, High points and low points. Uh, it, I think overall as an album, it wasn't bad. It wasn't fantastic. I think individual songs stood out larger than the majority of the album. But uh, as an album, I think uh, for a first album that's gotten this much publicity, I don't think it's terrible. I think it's pretty good. Now, I, I like that you mentioned that I have been talking about the remixes because this brings me to a point. You're going to think I'm crazy at the end of just this one review. Uh, I both love and hate Ellie Goulding at the same time. <laughs> I, I think I know the love dynamic. No, there's a bit more love there than just the superficial uh, I think she has a ton of potential, and this record doesn't show it. I think there are a couple of tracks that show that she does have uh, that potential to become a lot better than she actually is. And I'm not going to blame it necessarily on her vocals. I'm going to blame it more on that electronic backbeat because I think it's just not very compelling. And in many cases, I believe some of these remixes to be astronomically better than the original song just because that kind of like cheesy, slow, 8-bit video game in some cases background just drags along, and I think it pulls down her vocals to a, and it doesn't really match up. Uh, the pacing I thought was a little off towards the end of the album, but those first couple of albums, or not first couple of albums, those first couple of songs I really did enjoy a lot. And then just kind of just falls from there, and it's really disappointing. That's funny. I mean, I see what you're talking about with the electronic beat. For me, I... I think I lean less on female vocalists. Like I usually, even as a female and a vocalist, I I tend to not enjoy female vocalists nearly as much. So I I kind of took that into consideration when I was like getting a little stale with the album. 
But I, I thought she had some really nice components. Um, the first song I thought was nice, too, as well as the mega hit, Starry-Eyed, which I know is a personal favorite of yours, too. That song is, is, it's not, is it's insanely not a personal good. Favorite. My, the first song that I listened to from Ellie Goulding was Under the Sheets. And I think that was the first single that she released in the U.K., but really? the one that really blew up was Starry Eyed. That song is that song is infectious. And and that's what I kept wondering too was like I'll know which songs really stick with me when I figure out which ones are stuck in my head a week later. And I haven't figured that out yet. Starry Eyes get stuck in my head. Starry Eyed gets stuck in my head all the time though. That song's so good. It's so catchy. It's it's so like full and it's got these robust like builds and it's just incredible. Though some of the other ones kind of drag, I think, throughout yeah. the song. I think the, the very last song, Saltskin, just gets under my skin so badly. Whoa, pun. Oh, man, such a great pun. Uh, no, I, it just, it's just, it feels so much longer than it actually is. Yeah. I liked the, uh, I liked the writer, too. That was another one that kind of got crawling under the skin here. Because it, I just felt like it was just dragging along unnecessarily, and that was all due in part by that that kind of back sound that they have. Not her vocals necessarily, but that makes me that brings me to another point. Uh, I want to talk about some of the lyrics. I know I was going to ask you about that. A big fan of lyrics, and especially in songs like the writer, the lyrics make me wonder what her personality type actually is. Yeah, as far as if she's being genuine to these, I. And I she think seems really desperate in some of these songs. Did you not get that? Yeah, I mean, I think especially in like Guns and Horses, where she's pretty much implying like, "I'll leave everything and follow you around." I found that to be the case with the writer as well. Like, I don't want to have any control in this relationship. Uh, I want you to be, you know, I want you to make me out of clay. Is that the kind of woman you want? Write ones? the words. <laughs> write write the words that I will. Say, see the rhyme there. I mean, I don't think it needs to be all encompassing for her relationships or whatever. I, I think actually one thing I did kind of admire is, um, she kind of plays with the depth in her lyrics at times. Like I feel like most of the mainstream pop songs, in general, especially by female vocalists, are usually very vague, and she does do that a lot. Like, yeah, just has vague statements like "I want you" or. Why won't you be with me? But I felt in in, in contrary to that um, stereotype that I was kind of expecting, a lot of her songs I had thought they had expected more depth, like had more depth than I expected. My words. I give uh, a bit of leeway for pop songs. I don't expect them to necessarily be the most stunning written songs out there. And mm-hmm. I, I try to give her that leeway. And I think they're just... It just went a little too far. What do you think about, like, the differences between the songs? Did you feel like there was a distinction that was worthwhile? There was a definite... What Do you mean lyrically? Like, between... No, between each song in general. Yeah, I didn't find too many similarities between songs. There were two towards the end, which I am forgetting right off the top of my head. There. I'll Hold My Breath and Salt Skin, or those ones, or Wish I Stayed, maybe? Yes. Those were ones that I sa- thought sounded... Incredibly similar, but I didn't find too much of a problem with them. I, we always pick on albums that have uh, tracks that sound incredibly similar. I think it just it's just a, a object 
of being lazy, I think is what it is it comes to. For us or for the for, artists? That's my opinion <laughs> that they, they just got lazy. But Ella Goulding, she she tacked on a team including uh, Starsmith, who's this British remixer who, who laid a lot of the beats for this album. And I just, I was so disappointed with that area in particular. Well, maybe, um, I mean, this isn't the end of her career at the least. Not, not so by a long shot. I'm, I'm sh- maybe we'll have a different conversation when album number two comes out. Hopefully it will be named Camera. You, well, this is exactly how the conversation started last time. Yeah. No, that's when you it. were like, Lights, I hope the next ones are Camera and Action. That's just See, look, my I just took your joke. really dorky, yeah, my really dorky hope for Ellie Goulding's career. Speaking of later albums, here's the segue. See that? Oh. Okay. Next up. Wait, we didn't oh, do a recommendation system. Okay. All right, so let's uh, conclude this review of Ellie Goulding's Lights. Kristen Southwell, would you recommend this album? Yeah. Sure. I, I mean, I think this is a solid pop album. We talked about its flaws and its downfalls, but I, I think there's a lot of people that would enjoy this album in full. And if I if I spend enough time really waiting for those songs to get stuck in my head, then I would probably enjoy it a lot more. It, it needs to mature on me. But I think there's I, – I didn't discuss this album. Hate it. I'm not using the right words today. Disgust this album. I just turned disgust into a verb. That's fine. Your turn. Oh. Uh, sadly, I cannot recommend this album. Uh, but if you do seek to listen to Ellie Goulding, I would say err on the side of caution because you might be a bit underwhelmed. Underwhelmed? That's what I felt. I felt underwhelmed, although I love Ellie Goulding and I love many of these songs, but I can't recommend this album. That's where you're going to think I'm crazy. Okay. But I would say, you know, it's a bit disappointing. I think that the... There's not too much that's too dynamic that's going on here. And I really hope that uh, she gets the proper team on board next time to hopefully produce something that's a bit more well-rounded. Fair enough. Speaking of older albums. Oh, here it is. (laughs) Next up, we have the latest release from Of Montreal entitled False Priest. Uh, Let's get right to our first impressions. Kirsten Southwell, what do you got? I really liked it. I really liked it. I I really like Of Montreal. Granted, every time I tried to listen to this album, I tried to listen to this album in front of my friends while I was doing homework, while they were doing homework. And all of my friends who didn't really listen to Montreal at some point would just be like, Kirsten, you need to turn this off. And I'm like, what? You just have to... Of Montreal is a band that takes the right song to really understand who they are. And that, that right songs were from the last album they put out, which is some super long name that I don't remember. Um, and when once you really appreciate who of Montreal is, you're you're when you hear this next album, you're like, that's not weird. That's just of Montreal. And so I enjoyed it. I thought it was more of the good same. You more of the good same. Uh, I thought there was a lot of interesting songs. I felt it like again a bit underwhelmed. Uh, it was definitely strange and it's out there, but that's really not to be too unexpected for of Montreal. They are. Definitely experimenters in their music, and that's definitely something that is to be applauded for people to go out on a limb. And we've discussed that before, people who go out on a limb and actively change their sound. Uh, but there is a lot here for the of Montreal fan base that will bite onto. Uh, 
I see parallels with this album to the hardcore fans of MGMT with their latest release. You know, they do this dynamic change in some instances, although MGMT's was much, much more drastic. Yeah, where what specific changes are you thinking of? Like, just, just sound overall is what just took me a little back. You think? I thought that they they do things in particular, like these long strings of monologue. Yes, okay. That are not too familiar for me as someone who's listened to of Montreal in the past. I was going to say, some of their older stuff, it, this kind of reminded me of it. I haven't listened to a lot of their older stuff, so I couldn't drop names or anything. But I this is kind of what that reminded me of. And the um, bigger hits that I associate with of Montreal were those more conventional, kind of unique, cute, kind of starry-eyed pop songs. Oh, call back to the last review. <laughs> what 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 songs are your favorites? On this album, uh, the standout was Coquette Coquette for me. Okay. Uh, that was the only one I could really bite into. I did like uh, just some of the funny wordplay that gets used on a bit later in the album. Okay. I liked um, I liked Famine Affair. Uh, my note for that was quite normal for them. Good song though. <laughs> normal is a, is an interesting word to ever apply to them because, uh, and this is especially true for their stage performances. It's very elaborate, and uh, I think that's just going on to what's that child show on Nick Jr. that gets all these big. Child show on Nick Jr. that gets all, all these, these big, big like bands that come on. I can't think of it at the moment, but uh, you're not talking about like Sesame Street. No, or... no. But they have like big bands come onto the show, and when of Montreal went, I was like, perfect fit because it's a really kind of Nick Jr. television show. Yeah. Can you tell me anything else about it? They're all in these big furry costumes and they dance around. It's crazy, but when of Montreal went on that show, I thought perfect. MGMT's been on there, really. Uh, yes. Okay. They've had some big bands, but when of Montreal went in, I was like, it's a perfect fit. But that <laughs> this is the same that band loose. that girl named Hello. The first line of it is, uh, I did a line with a girl named Hello. They went on a children's show. That's great. they did, and they they <laughs> recorded their uh, a song for that children's show. But that's we're kind of we're kind of going off the point right. a little bit. Let's talk a bit more about the album. Uh, I thought there was an an interesting start overall. Coquette Coquette was definitely a standout. Those first four tracks I I thought were solid overall. Okay, yeah. I like Hydra Fancies also and the first song. There were some problems that I had about midway through the record. Uh, I found that it was kind of going a bit too far off the deep end, even for Of Montreal in the fact that they were experimenting to a point which I didn't find it too accessible. Okay, that's fair. I I can agree with that. I mean, like all my friends, if you just don't get it, you don't get it. And not that I'm saying I did get it all the time, but I guess I knew to expect it. Um, Expect that they would be doing some weird stuff. Expect that it's going to be a weird out. That's a good piece of of advice that we can give for people who are interested in listening to this record if they haven't already. Yeah, I mean, I think as far as the... uh, means of accessibility. I think their previous album, I need to look this up, what it's called. Their previous album, Hissing Fauna, Are You the Destroyer, is definitely more accessible as far as individual songs. But they're still weird. They're still really weird. Talking about drugs and all sorts of things. Um, 
What about the one we just listened to, Aridus Defects? I think it's hilarious. That song's absolutely funny. It's 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 out there in that unmontreal way uh, that we've mentioned. <laughs> he like talks about he's like, and I slept with your cousin just because I know you and her are like best friends and talk about things, everything. And I just wanted to know what it'd be like to touch something that had touched you. <laughs> he's like, and you pulled me into the bathroom for twenty minutes to tell me how I shouldn't. What did he say? I shouldn't contradict you in front of your friends. <laughs> that song's hilarious. Really- I think if you have to, it, that would be my favorite single off the album. I, I want. If they were to ever release that as a single, that would just surprise me. Because it, it's just a gem in the album for sure. That that little piece of of dialogue, which seems to, I mean, they, it's pretty they much sprinkled the in throughout. Yeah, uh, it's one of those feelings where you're listening to it first and go, "All right, this is different." Okay, what is he saying? And then you just erupt in laughter because it's so out. It's so it's, ridiculous. It's really ridiculous. It's just the story about him and this girl. Um, yeah. So okay, so we've talked about some bad things. What did you feel were any strongly positive things about the album? Uh I, I mean, they come to it with a different opinion, and sometimes they have that kind of witty dialogue that that really that I really enjoyed when they get back to their more traditional or. I don't want to say they're more traditional, but more traditional pop roots. I think they hit it right on the head uh, with songs like Coquette, Coquette, which they released as their first single. So it's those types of songs that really stand out for me. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I guess my contribution to why I like the album is because I like this band. I, I wouldn't say it's by any means my favorite album by this band, but I think it represents a lot of the things that this band has done over its album, so... And it's weird, and it's it's interesting, and you're you're definitely going to be thinking about everything as you're. And I think overall, you're going to have you're going to have a fun time with this album if you are an of Montreal fan. Yes, agreed. So, Michael, who would you recommend? Oh, I go to? first. Yeah. Okay. I would, uh, I would recommend this to the dedicated fan base. Yeah. Of of Montreal, uh, I couldn't really do it too much outside of that fan base. Because I think they would be a bit too paranoid or kind of taken off by the whole the whole album. Yeah, I absolutely agree that this would be a, a great follow up to previous listeners of Love Montreal. Um, if you're looking to get introduced to the band and you maybe want to start with a l- earlier album, like you said, more accessible. I, think I that would was definitely the best point. recommend that if you're interested in starting to listen to Love Montreal and you haven't really gotten into them that much, don't start here. <laughs> um, start at previous works of theirs. Uh, would you recommend a previous work if you were to start somewhere with Like Love I just Montreal? said, Hissing Fauna, Are You the Destroyer, uh, the song, A Sentence of Sorts in Kong's Finger, and Heimsdell's Gates Like a Promethean Curse. Those two are amazing. Yes. So just to give you a little idea of how weird this band is, <laughs> trying to pronounce those names. That's It's almost as hard as like trying to pronounce Scandinavian dance music. Yes. I, I wasn't following you. I wasn't following no. you. Okay. It's crazy. So let's wrap things up. Uh, once again, you guys can contact us. If you have an album in mind to review or for us to review, uh, you can email us at soundoff at wknc.org. Uh, also, send us news articles that you think we should be discussing. And you can also follow us on Twitter. We are all over the Twitters. Uh, we're trying to record or not record, but broadcast us recording live. Uh, I'm not very good at these technologies because I haven't done it before. 
Yep. So we may or may not be broadcasting live right now. Uh, this is kind of a test run, if anything. Yeah, we don't really know. And we don't know if anybody will show up either. <laughs> but regardless, we're going to do it. Yeah, we're going to do it. It's going to be fun. And uh, you With can. that, we're going to sound off. See you next week.